Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. and Alternative Parties Books Publisher sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Welcome to Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Today, friends, we have another exciting guest on our podcast. This is an organization, a movement called Equal Voice Voting, and they're going to share some innovative ideas with us today. So welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate being on. If we get started by kindly giving us an introduction to yourself, a brief biographical sketch. Sure. My name is Jerry Spring. Okay. I have studied the Electoral College for uh, a couple of decades now, and it started out as kind of a hobby because I, uh-huh. I like to design board games and so on. I looked at the Electoral College map, you know, the blue and red state map, and I thought, there's a lot of people that are not being represented when we vote. And I, at first, I blamed it on the Electoral College, and I dug into its history and how we got here and all that sort of thing. And I realized kind of early on that uh, the Electoral College is actually a very ingenious idea. Now, that's not oh. a popular view. I get that. No. But uh, it's really a, a problematic way we manage our votes going into the Electoral College. Uh, for example, one of the major problems is what we call the winner-takes-all yeah. aspect on a state-by-state basis. And then whenever we do that, we disenfranchise a large proportion of the voters. I went back and I analyzed the last 16 elections, starting in 1960 through 2020, and I found on an average over those 16 elections that we disenfranchised something like 48% of the voters uh, ballots for the president. Uh, in uh-huh. the last election, for example, uh, over 69 million votes never made it to the Electoral College because of the way we misused the management. That is not in keeping with what our constitutional framers had intended. They wanted the proportional voting basis, and we, we ignore that. And so we kind of abuse the system. So anyway, I... I, I figured this out and I did all this analysis and then I wrote a book and I call it All Votes Matter. You can find it out on Amazon, but it's a nonpartisan approach that shows how the minority voices throughout the country are not being represented when we have our electoral college tally. And uh, so it becomes very problematic in that sense that whether you're a Republican or Democrat or a third party or whatever, if you're not in the majority in your state, your vote essentially does not matter for the president. That is. Uh, and that's, that's very unfortunate. You know, it's, uh, uh, we, we, we suffer that all the time. So anyway, that's where I'm at. I've got this, I have this idea. I have this book. I've been starting to get the idea out there. And I just want to get people to realize that we can do this differently. This does not require a constitutional amendment. And we can do this. We can change how we uh, represent the votes on a state-by-state basis. Okay. So usually, from what I understand, people pair the, the electoral college system with the with being against the popular vote. So, but you seem to say that the two work together, or can work together. Can you please elaborate on that? Sure. Uh, that's exactly what the uh, framers wanted. They wanted to have 
a system that would represent the popular vote, you know, the people, as well as the territories, or in that day it was the colonies, but we have a combination of the two. So it, it reflects how we have our Congress. You know, we have 100 senators, and then we have 135 representatives that represent the people. So people and territories are represented in our Congress, and they took that same formula, that same approach for electoral college. And so that's why a candidate, a presidential candidate, has to main, or gain a coalition not only of the majority of people voting, but also of territories, of states, and so on, in order to win the election. Uh, it, it sounds complicated. It really isn't. And what I have found as I talk to people, sometimes you, they have to hear this a couple times because I'm asking for a paradigm shift. I'm asking people to set aside their assumptions and their their uh, their opinions about, you know, how they think the Electoral College works and realize that we can make this really representative of all of us much better than we have. Okay. So we hear a lot about how people are against the Electoral College because sometimes the winner of the popular vote doesn't get the electoral most number of electoral votes so what in your mind is the reason for that what's the issue and how can we fix it well that's that's exactly what i'm addressing is the popular vote alone should not be the only thing that's considered like i just said that the states also need to be represented here's a here's a, a an example that's really good back in 2016 when clinton ran against trump uh, 49 states, cumulatively, the popular vote for those 49 states plus Washington, D.C., actually went to Trump. Trump had the most votes. But when you add in California, then the vote count flipped, and so uh, 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 Clinton got 3 million more votes than did Trump. Now, what that means <clears throat> and why Trump won is because he had a coalition of many more states <clears throat> than what than what the, uh, Clinton did. And so in a sense, the electoral college system held because you don't want to have just one state sway the entire nation. Okay. Uh, so there's nothing really wrong with that. It's just that when we go state by state and we only take a winner takes all, we disenfranchise so many people. Okay. So in this, in, yeah. So does that make sense? I think it, I think it does. Yes. Okay. So, so some people are going to. Do you think it's sour grapes when people complain about when they when the popular vote and yet don't get enough electoral votes? They complain about the system, or do you, how do you address such things? Well, I wouldn't call it sour grapes. I think you know we have kind of a gut level feeling about things when we see the popular vote go one direction and yet the electoral college spits out a different result. You know, we sense that something's wrong. But nobody really digs into it and figures out, well, why is this wrong? But like, uh, like in the last election, for example, over 69 million ballots for president never made it to the Electoral College. I'll say that again. Over 69 million ballots never made it to the Electoral College because the winner takes all disenfranchises on an average about 48% of the ballots cast. Okay. And so, you know, if you're talking about your third-party candidates and so on, 
they are always set aside because they'll never carry the majority of the vote, and that's wrong. You need yeah. to have those voices if they're if they vote in this sizable number to be represented. Okay. So how do you recommend we change this to the way you want it to be? Is, what's the process that that would involve? Well, I'll tell you, I, I first thought, well, I'll just go to my local legislators and we'll get this thing done. You know, I was kind of naive about the whole thing. But legislators mm -hmm. do not want to take this on, mainly because their constituents don't know about it. And they're not going to be advocating for some idea that would be quickly voted down. And so what I've changed my tactic, and that's why I've got the book out there. That's why I talk on podcasts and do advertising and so on, so that I can let people know how this works. You know, there's an old idea that says that culture or politics lives downstream from culture. And so I'm trying to change the culture a little bit, where in uh, – you people become aware that we can change this and we can make this more fair and more equal for everybody involved. So okay. that's what I'm doing. You're doing a great job for me, Andrew, in the sense that okay. I let my voice get out there and let people know that, hey, the minority voices need to have their say in a, in a live and active functioning democracy. Okay. So your way of changing things is more of a subtle way by through persuasion and information and getting the media, things like that? Well, right now it is. You know, we can change this on a state-by-state -state basis. Like I said, this is, does not require a constitutional amendment. Okay. So the state of Texas, for example, where you're sitting, it could adopt this if it so wanted to, if the people were so informed, and then the state would, would then be a blend of, the different major voices. For example, in the last election, if they'd used my system, 18 of the electoral votes would have gone to the Democrat and 20 would have gone to the Republican. Texas is very much on the cusp that, that way. So you, you would have had, you know, a split of the number of votes going in each way, which is a representative, uh, a proportional representation just as our constitutional framers desire. So why do you think people have the wrong idea, and where did the where exactly did the founders express this? Did they do it in some documents, or where did they express the idea that they wanted it this way? Well, it's in the Constitution, the way they put it together. Uh, but people have the wrong idea because we have habitually used the winner-take-all for a couple hundred years, and we just assume, well, this is the way it's done. And really, it doesn't have to be that way at all. You know? So, yeah. So it, we just have to become aware that this is within our grasp to do something different, and uh, we can change this if we get the enough people to, you know, uh, put their head around it. It's amazing to me. I have talked to a lot of state legislators across the country who do not know how the electoral college works. So oh. if you're any of your listeners are saying, well, they don't really understand. Don't feel bad. Most people don't. Uh, and it's not a complicated system at all, but it does take a little time to comprehend the history and the principles and, and that sort of thing. So, And that's why I put all of that in the book to explain that history and the principles involved and then showing what we can do in the, to change it and what those effects would have been. Okay. 
So for our listeners, after an election, can you summarize what happens with Electoral College? So let's say at 2024 election is is over and then the election night is over. So then what, what happens next with Electoral College? How does that run? <coughs> well, the way it will run, because nothing will get changed before the 2024 election, is that the votes are tallied on a state-by-state basis. And, for example, Texas will tally up the number of votes they get, and whomever, whichever candidate gets the most votes, they will capture all electoral votes that the state has allocated. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, so, and that's kind of like hitting the easy button. Well, we don't have to do any any more magic than that. And then they do that you know, basically across the country. The only exceptions to this is Nebraska and Maine, wherein they do what they call congregational or congressional district voting, uh, which is is better, but it still is employing the winner-take-all aspect on a uh, 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 on a district by district basis, and okay. so it, it it's not as pure as you want, but it points to the fact that each state has within its power to change how they manage the votes that are brought in. This is not a federal mandate; this is a state by state thing. Okay. So it it's kind of significant because, for example, the if we change this, just think of the campaigns and how that would shift. In the 2016 election, again, if I can go back to that one, uh, Hillary campaigned in Nebraska. Nebraska only had five electoral votes, but yet she campaigned there in hopes that she would get a vote or two out of it. She failed. She didn't get any votes. Trump, on the other hand, went up to Maine. Maine only has four electoral votes, and he campaigned there, and he captured one of their electoral votes. So you see, they know that this is important, but if it's, if a state is voting in a block, a majority rule kind of thing, then any minority voice, it just doesn't have a chance at all. Oh, okay. So when you say they tally it, is that, is it, is it done automatically or do they have a meeting that they go to and they approve it? How, how does that work behind the scenes like that? Oh no, ballots are, are tallied by a machine. I mean, it's, it's, you've got to understand there's millions of ballots being brought in. Every okay. state adds them up. I mean, it's, it's very automatic. Uh, it's just like handling your mail, you know. It's okay. A, you have these sorting machines and <clears throat> barcodes and so on and so forth. It's a pretty simple process in the sense of coming out with a final number, you know. So. Okay. So Electoral yeah. College is not an entity like Congress that meets, right? No, no. No, it, it's not like a bunch of people standing around and say, well, let's pick this one. <clears throat> it's, it's not like that. It's kind of a misnomer in that sense. But it's just a process or a system to show a, a mechanism, if you will, to how we handle our votes. Okay. And again, you know, so... What about when they have those faithless electors you hear on occasion? So how how does that work, and what causes that? Well, that's just a nefarious group trying to you know game the system. You know, you have to remember that whenever we vote, it's it's the power of the people coming to the fore. That's what the ballot is all about. And so if we can rig the system so that we capture the power, then 
we have an advantage. So you you hear about voter suppression. You know, people are kept away from the ballot box. They don't get to vote and so on, yeah. which in my mind is just egregious. It's so anti-democratic. But it's a, it's a big power play trying to, to control the process. And uh, it, as bad as that is, and I really am in the camp that says that voter suppression is terrible, every, every election, we're talking about tens of thousands of voters are challenged to get to the ballot box but because of the winner take all, it's a thousand times worse because we're suppressing the vote and we're suppressing tens of millions of votes, not tens of thousands. So it's, uh, I just think that the way we do it is, is terribly wrong. It's very anti-democratic, actually. Okay. So how long do you think this would take, take place to get into power you say that you don't think it's going to happen by 2024 so how long would you give it to happen <laughs> well uh i'm a retired guy and i have a, a good friend he's a retired associate or, uh, attorney general for the state of oregon he asked me uh -huh. kind of the same question he said before you die jerry how many states would you like to see take this on and I said well if I can see three states take it on then I know it will catch on because people say well we can do this too so right now I'm trying to get you know a few dozen people to read the book I mean to get it started so how long will this take uh, it, it we got to look at this from the long arc point of view it's not going to sure. happen by this next election because it, the time is, is, is too short but maybe by the election afterwards we could have and, you know, a few states take this on and, and work with it. Uh, I'm hopeful. I'm trying very hard to get this done in Oregon. That's where I live. Okay. Uh, we have eight electoral votes up here. And uh, if we if we did this, then we would split those eight. So maybe, let's say, the, the Democrats would get five or six of those votes and the Republicans would get the others. And if you have a third party that's really, really strong and can make you know, a significant voice in the state, they might they might get electoral votes as well. Although that's that's rare that they they come to the fore that way. But if you change the rules, you know, you're going to change the game. If you change the game, you know, political parties are going to campaign differently, and that just changes the whole picture. And hopefully, hopefully, Andrew, if they can see that every vote matters, because they will then maybe more people would turn out the vote. You know, there'd be okay. more people okay. engaged. Uh, one of the problems we have in this country is a low voter turnout. Well, that's within reason because people say, my vote doesn't matter anyway, so why should I bother with any of it? And that's sad because, you know, our, our uh, presidential elections are like the Super Bowl of elections. And just because their, their presidential ballot might not work or be, uh, matter, uh, their down-ballot uh, choices matter. And okay. we, we lose that. We lose that sentiment. Okay, so what would happen if, say, an alternative party got one or two electoral votes? Now, it, 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 it may sound odd, but I remember Ross Perot, he did have a lot of he, – he was in the running for that of getting electoral votes. So it's, it's, it's within the range of possibilities. So what would happen if, say, an alternative party would get two electoral votes? What would happen? 
Well, we have, in total across the nation, we have 538 electoral votes, okay? okay. Uh, and one of the constitutional requirements is, is that whatever candidate wins has to win by a majority. And okay. so that means they have to capture at least 270 electoral votes. Okay. So uh, you're shaving off a couple of votes probably wouldn't make a huge amount of difference, except that it would be noteworthy. You know, people would report about it. People would oh, okay. write articles about it, you know. And so people become aware that, hey, there are other opinions out here. Okay. And, you know, that that's where, you know, the sentiments shift a little bit. Okay. With this, one of the concerns that we hear again and again from opponents as well as proponents is the idea of the spoiler. So would this get rid of the spoiler issue or would that not pertain to this? No, it would not get rid of the spoiler issue. Um, it, it would, you know, it, it would actually maybe make it uh, more significant. Uh, that's oh. not altogether bad, you know, because, like, you're an advocate for third-party uh, voices, right? You know, yep. it, to have, yeah. And so that would mean that they would be noted. Why are they voting different than the, the major political parties? Well, there's reasons. And so... What are those reasons? And if they're they're making it hard to get to a majority, then uh, you know th that's something to pay attention to. You know, okay. we have to listen to everybody's voice in a democracy. That's what a democracy is about. And if we're shutting some people out, whether it's voter suppression or vote suppression, that's just wrong. You know. Sure. So, what if there was a scenario where the election was? head-to-head, -head, and then alternative party candidate got enough votes to sway, enough electoral votes to sway over maybe 5, 10, and it was it was neck-to-neck. -neck. So what, how would the electoral college handle a situation like that where it would be no one would get the majority? So, it, so that's something we hear about in school. Maybe we remember learning about that school, but can you refresh our audience for how that would work? Well, you probably haven't heard about it in school because it's not talked about a lot. And okay. when I mention this, when I, I'm going to tell you how this works, but when I do, a lot of people just kind of shake their heads because they're kind of shocked by it. Oh. But remember, our constitutional framers were very smart, okay? They were genius kind of people. And they realized that if they had that problem where they didn't make the majority, it would force a runoff of some sort. Well, if you do a runoff across the nation, first of all, you're not going to have the same pool of voters. You just won't because the facts are you know, weeks go by and different ones are now eligible to vote that they weren't before. You're okay, going to have some people, people die. Uh, some people get tired of the whole nonsense and they don't vote, so you have a different pool. So what are you going to do? Plus, it's expensive. You know, the campaign thing, it's very, very expensive. So... They put in there what they call a contingency election. That means that then your representatives in Congress, not your senators, just your representatives, will then vote for the next president. Now, it's kind of interesting because they, they vote by state. In other words, each state gets one vote. Okay, so like um, Texas would have 36 representatives that they get one vote. Oregon has... Six representatives, but we get one vote. And so 
each state then has to decide, well, how are we going to cast that ballot? And oh then within that House of Representatives, then they determine on a majority basis who wins the election. And they might have to do this two or three, four times, you know, and that, that could happen. Um, we haven't seen it. You and I haven't seen it in our lifetime, but it could happen. So, but then that just goes back to the whole idea that we live in a representative democracy. And so our representatives then should, uh, you know, decide for the, for the nation. We also live in a republic. And a lot of people yep. don't realize that each state is a sovereign territory. And we can't just ignore the middle states like we do with our, our elections today. So. So it would, so it would be awesome to have more, every state matters rather than the overly strategic campaigning that we see these days. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Every state should matter. All votes should matter. And it, without getting into the, the math, because I don't want to do that over the phone, people hate math. It's a four-letter word, you know. But the, but the formula I use means that every vote that's cast affects the factor, and so their their vote matters. It's part of the, the process, if you will. You could vote for Santa Claus, and it would still nudge the machinery a little bit. So every vote, all votes matters, the title of my book, and, uh, you know, I just encourage everybody to take a read at it. Uh, it's okay. out on Amazon, Amazon.com. Okay, okay. So. what's the full title of that book? Oh, you said All Votes All, Matter. Yes, that's it. All Votes Matter by Jerry Springs. Okay, All Votes Matter. And it, yeah, and I've got, I wrote it as kind of a, a primer, if you will, because I go back into the history and I explain how we got to where we are, what the principles of the Electoral College is, um, how that, how we, we mishandled it and what could be done differently. I even have a little piece in there about gerrymandering. So, uh -huh. um, <laughs> you know, it's a, you know, anyway, it has a lot of information in it, much more than what I can touch on in this interview. So, okay, sounds good. So we can yeah. direct the audience there, and I plan to yeah. get that in the show notes so that. When they look at the show notes, they can go there when they like. Yes. So yes. Is there any other way our audience can support you other than getting, in addition to getting your book and reading your book? Well, another thing they might want to do is check out the website. It's equal okay. equalvoicevoting.com. It's all one word, equalvoicevoting.com. And they can get all kinds of information out there. I have some short videos out there. Uh, oh. Just so that they can kind of get some of the sense of what I'm trying to do. And, you know, just talk it up. And like I tell people, when they read a book, read the book, share it with someone else, because that's so important. I'm trying to get a buzz going. I'm trying to get people to talk, I'm trying to get people aware that we can do our presidential elections much better than we do. Sure. All right, Jerry. We appreciate hearing about your innovative idea today and we trust that sooner or later it will get the traction it needs thank you i really appreciate you giving me the time because it, it's voices like yours that really help move this along so thanks a bunch sure thing well we wish you all the best in you selling your book and your cause and everything else you do in life all right thanks andrew all right take care and all the best take care bye-bye